You're listening to the Revolution Church Podcast. To learn more, including our gathering times in Crossville, Tennessee, visit us at CrossvilleRevolution.com. We are in the next to last week of our series where we're going through the book of Ephesians. If you're new to Rev Church, what we do all the time, almost all the time, is we preach verse by verse through books of the Bible or large passages of Scripture. Now, I've told you guys, and you've heard me say this before, that one of the things uh, that allows us to do is it keeps us from abusing certain passages of Scripture that the preacher would want to preach on every single week. Like case in point, 2024, election year. How many preachers, how many churches are going to pull verses out of context to use to stand on whatever soapbox they want? Well, going verse by verse through books of the Bible keeps us from doing that. Secondly, what going verse by verse through passages of Scripture and and books of the Bible does is it forces us to deal with very difficult passages, passages that you've probably never heard sermons on, passages that we skip over because we just don't want to deal with them. Today is one of those passages. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 9, it is a passage of Scripture that is commonly left off and never dealt with. And if I could kind of spoil the theme of today, what we're going to see today is mainly about, as we give the full context, I'm going to do the best I can to unpack where we're coming from and where Paul was coming from in biblical times from the Scripture, is it's going to deal with really the Christian work ethic and how hard it is we are to work. Claude McDonald said, If hard work is the key to success... Most people would rather pick the lock. How many of y'all know that's true? The theologian Homer Simpson once said, Homer Simpson once said to his son Bart, <clears throat> he is a theologian, y'all. Like it's, son, if you really want something in life, you have to work hard for it. Now quiet, they're about to announce the lottery numbers. Y'all know what I mean? <laughs> We say things like, you working hard? No, hardly working. One guy said, working hard on hardly working really is harder work than working hard. Y'all know what I mean? Today we're going to deal with the idea of how are we supposed to submit to and listen to the people that are in authority over us in our jobs and how are the bosses in the room supposed to treat the people under them that they've been given the authority over. But this passage is going to start out a little wonky. and We've got to give some context. So in the very first verse, in verse 5, I'm going to read one word, and then if you'll allow me, give me about five or ten minutes to try to explain the context of this passage. Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 9. Y'all with me? Say, I am. It starts out like this. Slaves. There's the word. Slaves. There might not be a word that rubs us a little sideways more than this word and what it's connected to in our culture. All of us have pictures in our head when we hear the word slave, when we hear the word slavery. What we need to understand, and I'm going to try to explain this because I could honestly spend about probably three or four weeks explaining what the Bible has to say about this. I'm going to try to encapsulate this in about five or ten minutes. Is that the picture we have in our head 
of what slavery is over the last three centuries is not the picture of what slavery was during biblical times. In fact, we would be mistaken to apply the images of slavery we know from the 19th to the 21st century to the slavery that took place during Paul's time. Three things you need to understand as Paul refers in this passage to slaves and masters. Number one, in biblical times, many people would choose to be a slave of someone because you could increase your lot in life, so to speak, if you joined someone's household and became a slave under them. When Paul refers to slaves here and masters, he's really referring more to a socioeconomic class than a racial class of imprisoned laborers. Now, there are lots of inequalities in biblical times, lots of injustices that took place when it came to the institution of slavery, 100% yes. Just like there is in any system in the world that men and women are involved in. You need to understand, though, that in most cases, slavery at this time, slaves conducted themselves more as contract employees than as slaves that we think about today. In fact, slaves were considered really to be, here's one descriptor, one commentary gave slaves, domestic servants. So slaves were considered at this time to actually be a part of the household that they served in, which completely makes logical sense for us compared to where we've been in the context of Ephesians. Because this is the fourth week we've been taking a look at the home and the relationships and how every person inside the home should conduct themselves, right? Three weeks ago, we talked to the wives. And Paul's giving instruction. Here's how you conduct yourself inside of marriage. Then he dealt with the husbands. Here's how you conduct yourself in the home inside of marriage. Last week, dealing with the children. How do you conduct yourself? Dealing with the parents. How do you conduct themselves? So chronologically, this absolutely makes sense that now inside the household, Paul is going to deal with slaves and masters. Understand that in Rome, this is, this is not debated whatsoever what I'm telling you about slavery. In Rome, there were more slaves technically than there were free people. Thirdly, you need to understand this. Paul, and in fact, Scripture itself, never supported the institution of slavery. You won't find anywhere in Scripture that outright supports slavery. In fact, what you find in the New Testament is it leans towards the opposite of that. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 21 through 23. Great example of this. Go read it. But we do have to say, to have integrity to the Scripture, that the Scripture does not condemn slavery, but at the same time, it does not commend slavery. Instead, what we see Paul do here today is he speaks to the equality of every single human being inside the household and in the world. He speaks to the dignity that every single person should have. We told you guys that, that when he spoke to the wives, that was groundbreaking 
And then not only did he speak to the wives, he spoke to the husbands and sort of like got on to the husbands and said, hey man, you need to love your wives. And that was, that was taboo for the day. And it's the same thing here as he talks about slavery. When it comes to the scripture, one theologian said that the scripture teaches that slavery is tolerable, but it's not ideal. Why? John MacArthur, I believe, sums this up very well when he says this. New Testament teaching does not focus on reforming and restructuring human systems, which are never the root cause of human problems. The issue is always the heart of man, which when wicked will corrupt the best of systems and the righteous will improve the worst. If men's sinful hearts are not changed, they will find ways to oppress others regardless of whether or not there is actual slavery. We see this today. Whether you're talking about a slavery system, whether you're talking about socialism, whether you're talking about capitalism, whether you're talking about democratic systems, evil people always find ways to oppress other people. Now for our context today, the best way this relates off of what I've just explained to you is it relates in employee and employer relationships in its context or workers and their bosses. Again, speaking directly, here's what Paul's speaking to, the Christian work ethic. Chuck Swindoll says in his commentary on these verses, for us, Paul's words to slaves and masters can be best applied to those in permanent employee-employer relationships. What Paul's getting ready to unpack for all of us is the idea that in today's time, the way we conduct ourselves at the hours and hours and hours we spend at our jobs might be more important evangelistically than the few hours we spend every single week coming to church. In fact, I would say it's probably more important evangelistically because when you come to church, who are you hanging out with? A whole bunch of Christians. Everybody puts their Christian face on. But you spend a lot more time in the world at your job and how you conduct yourself at your job absolutely has an impact for eternity. So that's the first word. Now Paul gets into some instruction. Let's see what he says in the rest of this passage. Y'all still with me? Say, I am. So he says, slaves or employees, workers, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service or people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, with good will render service as to the Lord and not to people, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he will receive this back from the Lord, whether slave or free. First, Paul, Paul addresses the employees, the workers. And the first thing he says to us that are working jobs and we have bosses and we have someone in authority over us and every single one of us should have one, someone in authority over us, right? Even me as the lead pastor, my authority is Jesus and he can bring me down to Chinatown. Sorry, I watched Meet the Parents this weekend. Bring you down to Chinatown anytime he wants, right? And so we all have somebody in authority. The first thing he says is obey. This is the exact same word that we explained last week as it pertained to how children are to obey their parents. 
So Paul is saying, as workers, we are obligated to carry out the instruction of our bosses. What he's saying is we owe them the same honor, the same respect, the same submission that we owed to our parents as they were raising us. He says, obey them. Then he uses a couple different phrases. In fear and trembling and sincerity of heart. What that simply means is you show respect. You're full of humility. When it says you work with sincerity, it means you actually try. Imagine that in 2024. Anybody else been through a drive-thru lately and thought to yourself, is this the walking dead? Is this person even alive? They don't even try. No, we're different. It means that, that we actually try. It means that Christian employees should not hold back. In other words, we should give 100% at whatever it is we're doing. Now, this begs the question with some of you guys. Pastor Josh, though, you don't understand. My boss is a jerk. What if he doesn't deserve respect? What if he has me do stupid things? What if he seems to show favoritism towards others that work? What if... I think I could do a better job being the boss than he or she could do. Boy, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad Jesus never looked at us and said, they don't deserve what I'm giving them. The command is the same. You respect, you honor, and you are a testimony for Christ. Paul says that these are our masters according to the flesh. And that means they're the bosses on this temporary earth. And while your boss might be undeserving, in our hearts we need to understand that our work that we do for them ultimately is done for Christ. So you have obedience to your boss. And let me back this up by saying this. We've pointed this out in every one of these relationships that Paul has talked about, wives and husbands and children and parents, obedience is conditional upon your boss telling you to do ethical, legal assignments that are not contrary to biblical commands. So if you have a boss or you have an employer that wants you to do something immoral, you don't do it. If they want you to do something idolatrous, you don't do it. If they want you to do anything that suppresses the gospel in your life, you do not do it. I would encourage you, if you work somewhere that will force you to wear a rainbow pin uh, in the month of June, but will not allow you to speak the name of Jesus, listen, just get fired for the glory of God. Walk away from that job. for I don't care how many years you've got in. What Paul is saying is, it's much more important that you have your integrity, it's much more important uh, that you have honesty and that you don't taint your testimony. Rest assured, if you walk away from a job where uh, employers or uh, someone is asking you to do something immoral and you refuse to do it, God will provide for you. If you seek first His kingdom, He will give you everything you need. So just count it all joy that you're being persecuted for Christ because you won't support some kind of demonic, ridiculous garbage that your company's trying to push off on you. Is that clear enough, Rev Church? Everybody say amen. 
So when it comes to obedience, I'm not saying you just do whatever they say. But when you work for them, Paul does say you avoid what our translation says is eye service or people pleasing. What that literally means is you avoid having a view to impress others, or we may say putting on appearances, or doing things just for show. He says avoid only being on task when the boss is around, but when the boss is gone, you don't work hard at all. Don't do that. There's this old saying uh, typically used in the workplace, and it goes like this. When the cat's away, how's it go, y'all? The mice will play. We're not mice. We don't play. Imagine, and, and here's what Paul is saying. Imagine you have a boss that thinks about you and thinks to themselves, I don't have to worry about them. They work hard whether I'm there or not. They get things done. They go above and beyond. And then naturally the progression is, I wonder why they work so hard and they're such a good employee. Maybe one day you'll get to share with them that the reason is because I'm serving Jesus and I'm not serving you. And you can be a witness for Christ and you can be a testimony for Christ. Does that make sense to everybody? Say amen. I've got a 12-year-old son named Titus. And uh, has anybody else in here ever had a 12-year-old son? Raise your hand. How many of y'all in here right now have like an 11 to 13-year-old son? Anybody in here? Lord, we pray for them. We pray that the cops are not called to their house because they kill their kids. Y'all know what I mean? Like, my son Titus, that's 12, he's so talented and gifted and such an awesome kid in so many ways. He's such an encourager. We love him. He's hilarious. Uh, but there are some areas of his life uh, that he's not so gifted in and talented in. And one of those areas is when I look at him and say, Titus, go clean your room. Y'all are laughing because you already know what's coming. He goes to his room. He comes out in a certain amount of time. And he inevitably says, my room's clean, Daddy. And I say, Titus, are you sure your room's clean? Yep, got it all cleaned up, Titus. I'm coming to inspect it. And I walk in and inspect his room. And what do you think I say? This is not clean, Titus. You need to do this, 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 and this. He comes back out a few minutes later. Room's clean now. I got all that done. It's all done. Yes, Titus, are you sure? Because I'm coming in there to inspect it. I come in and inspect it. I come back out. Titus, your room is not clean. This goes on over and over and over again. What Paul is saying is, don't be a 12-year-old that can't be trusted to clean his room. Grow up and be a hard worker. Get a job. Don't act like you're 12. Be someone that your boss or your employer can depend on. And when you say you're going to clean your room, they don't have to go inspect and come back 30 times. This is unusual stuff to find in 2024, y'all. Is everybody with me? Say amen. Because for the first time in our nation, during peacetime, we have 7 million men who are not just not working because there are jobs available, 
they're not even looking for work. Paul says, get off your butt and get a job, if that makes sense. Don't be a, as one translation puts it, a man pleaser. Understand that God is always looking. Understand this. The cat is never away for us because we serve the ultimate cat, the Lion of Judah. Y'all know what I'm saying? Somebody pointed that out to me a few weeks ago because y'all know I hate cats and I think they're minions of Satan and they're all going to hell. And uh, somebody came to me and said, uh, hey, uh, you know Jesus is the Lion of Judah and that's a cat. And I'm like, crud, okay. So let me correct it. The only cat that's not going to hell is the Lion of Judah, okay, y'all? The rest of them, you're crazy if you got a cat. They're planning to murder you right now, okay? I'm just joking. Don't send me an email, okay, y'all? But he's always watching. The line of Judah's always watching. Paul tells the employees, work, and then he says it three different ways. It's like he's trying to make sure he gets the point across. He says, work as to Christ. Then he says, work as slaves of Christ. And then he says, work uh, for Christ, rendering our services to, as to the Lord. And so Paul is being very clear here. When the earthly boss is gone, we never forget that our Heavenly Father is always with us. And it's to Him, not other human beings, that we ultimately give an account for our lives. You get a temporary paycheck now for what you're doing. But one day, when God sees your diligence, He sees your humility, He sees how hard you work, you will get an eternal reward from God Himself. So if you feel unappreciated in what you're doing right now, be encouraged this weekend because God sees your diligence. God sees your hard work, and you will be rewarded for it. It doesn't matter if you're a 14-year-old that's cutting grass. If you're a 16-year-old that's working at Chick-fil-A, who's down with some Chick-fil-A? Amen, Christian chicken. Amen, y'all. Shout out Chick-fil-A. We had Chick-fil-A at Chosen Youth this weekend. It was awesome. Sorry, I'm hungry. So, You're a 22-year-old just graduated trying to start a career. You're a 35-year-old gritting and grinding away in the middle of your career. You're 63 years old. You're two years away from retirement. You don't let up. I got two years left. You don't get lazy. No, because you are a testimony for Christ. You're working for Him. It's whatever we find in our right hand we do it with all our might, as the Scripture says. Now, this is totally contrary to what culture tells every single one of us. In a lot of ways, this is wisdom, but you get the gist of what I'm saying. Everybody wants maximum benefits with minimum work in our culture today. Not many people know what grit is. Hey, young people in here, you want a career? Just work hard. Show up on time. Smile. Have a good attitude. And if you start out as the cashier at McDonald's, you're going to own 30 of them one day just because you're doing those few things. Is everybody with me? Say amen. amen. Because the idea today is, I don't want to work. In fact, I think it can be encapsulated in this cartoon of Garfield. Y'all know who Garfield is. This is sort of the idea in the culture today. Go ahead and hit that next one. There it is. I hate Mondays. Back when I had a Facebook account, I can remember people would post these kinds of things on Mondays. Oh, 
Oh, I got to go to work. I, gotta, I don't want to go to work. I remember one guy said, if Monday had a face, I would punch it. You know what I mean? Like, man. One guy said, you know what they call people that are happy on Mondays? Unemployed, you know? One guy said, uh, it's Monday. I don't need an inspirational quote. What I need is a spiked coffee. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's the only way I'm going to make it through. I remember one person said, I hate Mondays. I hate mornings, and I hate working. But other than that, I'm pretty happy. You know, like, and you ain't happy at all. Paul is blowing up this narrative because 2,000 years ago, people were just as lazy as they are now. Every generation struggles with laziness. It's not just the young people in here that are lazy. Every one of us struggles with this. Slothfulness is what it's referred to as. And Paul says, no, no, no. No, that's not what we do. The Old Testament, if we connect our work ethic and work to the Old Testament, uh, understand this, that there's a Hebrew word, avodai, in the Old Testament. It's used some 329 times in the Old Testament, this Hebrew word is. And it's translated into three different words. The first is service, the next is worship, and the third word it's translated into, what do you think it is? Work. The same Hebrew word that's used for worship is used for work. Our work is a form of service to the Lord or a form of worship to God. Think about the fact that Jesus came to this earth, 100% man, 100% God. God in the flesh, Jesus comes to this earth. He comes into a culture where the Greeks despised manual labor and what was his career before he became like the Savior? Or like it wasn't just the Savior. What was he, y'all? He was a carpenter. A carpenter. Jesus elevates manual labor. Jesus elevates hard work. How ridiculous is it for us to think that somehow we shouldn't work or we shouldn't work hard if our Savior himself, God himself, came to this earth and had to get a job, and had to work hard. Does that make sense to everybody say amen? Amen. Oh man, I'm just trying to be like Jesus. Well, get a job, and get to work. This is what Paul's saying. I'll never forget, when I was a kid, my dad broke his back, and he struggled with back issues his whole life, and uh, this was like back in the mid-late 80s that he broke his back, and he had to have back surgery. And back then, back surgery was like a big deal. Like they opened you up, and not to be too graphic and everything, but they had to staple him back together and had him on morphine. Like actually, he, tell, he tells me, I don't remember this, but he said he got hooked on morphine and had to like detox from it because he was on it so much because of the pain from the surgery and stuff like that. Well, after my dad got through with his back surgeries, uh, they determined that he was over 50% disabled. Now, I'm not condemning people that are on disability, that are disabled. Uh, in a lot of instances, that's absolutely necessary. But all I'm saying is, this was such an example to me in my life. My dad, when he found out he was over 50% disabled, could have chose to just get a check every month, to wake up whenever he wanted, to not work, to sit around the house. I mean, some people... They think they've arrived. They work their whole life just to get disability. You know what I'm saying? And my dad said, nope, 
I'm not going to do that because I still got something in me where God can use me. I can still work. I can still do something. And he busted his rear end for years and years and years when he could have taken that out. What an example for me as a young man to see my father doing that. We need more examples like that today. We need more examples like that today. This is what Paul's saying. Being a Christian and being lazy cannot and should not coexist together. I love the fact that right after Paul addresses the employees, he addresses the employers and the bosses or the masters. Every relationship here, like two weeks ago, it's not like just Paul just said, wives submit. No, after that, he addressed the husbands and he got onto the husbands a lot worse than the wives, right? Uh, he talks to the children and tells them to obey the parents, but then he backs it up by addressing the parents. Same thing here. Hey, slaves, hey, employees, work hard, but then he backs everything up by also talking to the leaders that are given authority over certain people when he says this in verse 9. Y'all still with me? Say, I am. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them. Since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. Treat them in the same way. So everything that he just said to employees applies uh, to the leaders that have been given authority over them, to bosses, uh, to employers as well, with some extra things. He's saying, show honor, show respect to them. Hold your employees in high regard. He says, Don't threaten them. The easiest way to give you an idea of what he means here is to connect this really uh, to the great commandment. Treat the people that you're their boss, you're their boss and they're your employees, treat them like you want to be treated. Don't threaten them. Don't treat them bad. Don't think in some way you're above them. Treat them the way you want to be treated. Now, this does not mean that as a boss, you shouldn't lead. Okay, I need to make this very clear. Some preachers will pull this out of context to support socialistic ideas and different things like that to say, see, Paul here is talking about this utopian idea of a perfect workplace where nobody has any authority and nobody can lead. That's not the case here. A boss needs to lead, and a boss that won't take the mantle of leadership is just as bad as a boss that threatens and worries their people about their livelihood by threatening them. Some of y'all work for bosses that can't make a decision, and it absolutely drives you crazy. They can't be clear about things. Uh, They're very passive-aggressive, and it drives you crazy. So do lead, but treat people well. And then finally, he really sort of summarizes everything for employees and for bosses, Every relationship we've looked at, when he tells the leaders this, since you know that he who is, his, who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. He says, hey, uh, guy who started the company that's worth millions and millions of dollars, and you've got 100 employees, and some of them make minimum wage, don't get too big for your britches. Remember who's really in charge. That's what this means. Remember who's really in charge. Remember, uh, you are not more important than anyone else. Remember, you can be replaced just as easily as everybody else can be replaced. God doesn't show favorites. He looks at the cashier 
and the CEO the exact same. So many different times, Jesus used parables about working. Laborers, the harvest is plenty, the workers are few. There's one, one where he tells about people that come to work at like 8 a.m., and then there's people that come to work at 4 p.m. Some of them have worked all day, some of them just worked for an hour, and they all got paid the same. Why did he do that? Because he's showing that there are no favorites. There are no favorites. He's saying, be careful that you don't get prideful. Galatians chapter 3 speaks to this. Paul writes to the church in Galatia, and he says, this is what it says, literally. Think about how this ties to Ephesians. God sees neither male nor female, Jew or Greek, and then listen to the language, slave or free. Exact same words used in Ephesians. So God doesn't see the difference. doesn't see the difference at all. One theologian said this, whether we are slaves or masters, on a high salary or a minimum wage, whatever our company, position, or social status, Christ will generously reward good works done for him with a bonus in heaven, which are the incomparable riches of his grace that we talked about in Ephesians chapter 2. The whole gist of this is whether you're a worker, whether you're a boss, remember who the big boss is. One person said it this way, and I'll close with this. CEOs and street sweepers are all going to stand at the same throne for judgment one day. Amen, Rev Church. Let me pray for you guys. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. I thank you for every person at Revolution Church. Help us be different, God. Help us to stand out for Christ. Help us in the middle of a culture that seems to be too good to us sometimes, God, and creating weakness in us that we are people that work hard, uh, that keep to our word, that stand out. I really believe, God, if the people at Revolution Church gave 100% in everything they do, every person in Crossville would be like, what in the world is these people's deal? This is different. So, Lord, help us just to follow your Holy Spirit and your leading. We love you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? We love you guys. You're dismissed. We'll see you next week. If you're encouraged by today's message, be sure and rate us and subscribe on iTunes.